haven't we got a lot to talk about after the last few days? Some big things. Um, there's the Clarkson news and the investigation. Uh, we've just had the mid-season draft as well, so there's lots of things to talk about. Um, we do have a game against the old rival this weekend as well, against the Bombers at uh, primetime, uh, 4.40 at Marvel Stadium on a Sunday. There's nothing better. There's no better time slot for footy, that's for sure. So let's get into all that. Um, where do we start? Let's go mid-season draft because it's only happened a few hours ago. So I now have to look up the guy's name because I've already forgotten. So with pick number two in the mid-season draft, the North Melbourne Kangaroos select Robert Hansen Jr. Now straight off the bat, there's one key feature about him that you'll notice. He's got junior at the end of his name. And I believe that if someone has a junior or the second or the third or something like that at the end of their name, they're going to be great. That's what I noticed straight off the bat there. Um, there's Isn't there Rioli juniors? There's Pickett juniors maybe or Pickett the seconds? Who knows? It just means exciting to me. Um, but in all seriousness, no. Uh, Robert Hansen Jr., uh, we welcome him into North. He's 19-year-old small forward from Subiaco, which is interesting. Uh, about 180 centimetres tall. So sort of a position that we really do not have. Um, he's going to be going up against Phoenix Spicer and Kane Turner. So without even being in Melbourne ever, I think he's the best small forward on our list already. Um, but it is very exciting. They did put out a, um, a highlights package of him uh, just so you can watch sort of what he brings. And from what I can see, it is very Lindsay Thomas-esque which is very exciting because Lindsay was an absolute weapon. But he tackles hard. He seems to have uh, a lot of smarts around the pack to be out of crumb. And the thing I noticed from just from the highlights, and look, how many times we watch highlights of a player and then say he's going to be the next this, next that. So let's not get too carried away. But I don't know. He's always got um, a path to run straight towards goal. So if there's a contest, he's usually running from the backside straight towards the goal, will receive a handball. And seems like he can finish okay. So, yeah, it looks pretty promising. Obviously, they're not going to put uh, any lowlights of him <laughs> on a highlights package. But um, it is a position we need desperately. And Phoenix Spicer hasn't worked out. Look, I'm terrified for the weekend of Kane Turner kicking four in the VFL. Um, I'm sniffing a Kane Turner, Kane returner, am I right? Uh, which wouldn't be good. So... Hopefully, this guy can come in and make an impact before the end of the season. Um, our recruiting manager, can't remember his name, he did a little interview and sort of said that he'll be available as of the following game to be selected. I don't know if he'll play. I feel like it's maybe an after-the-buy sort of thing. But um, it's pretty exciting, guys. Yeah. It's a mid-season draft. Let's not act like it's the uh, you know the top talent from all over the place, but... It does fill a need, and I like that he's young. Uh, I like that he plays a position that we desperately need. And, um, yeah, it's just exciting to get a new player into the club halfway through the season and see see what we can find. Um, you know, obviously there's been John Newcomb, um, some bloke for Collingwood who I can't remember his name but everyone talks about. Um, there was a guy from Richmond as well, and I can't remember his name. The small, like, four, I think he's a small forward as well. I can't remember his name, but um, lots of clubs have sort of, not only lots, but like, you know, clubs have succeeded in the mid-season draft before 
uh, it just sucks that our drafting record in the mid-season draft is atrocious. So, uh, well, not atrocious. I think Callan Dawson was fine, but he doesn't seem to be getting a look in. Uh, as for Jacob Edwards, yeah, I, <laughs> yeah, that sums it up, doesn't it? So, hopefully we've hit uh, on something here. Was Ash Johnson for Collingwood a mid-season draft pick as well? Did I hear that correctly? Maybe I'm wrong. But anyway, it's exciting. That's really about all, I guess, to talk about with uh, Robert Hansen Jr. Uh, but I am very excited that he's got Jr. in his name. I just think that's cool. And I don't know. I feel like that just means goals. So very exciting. Um, nothing really else to talk about with the midseason draft, I guess. Um, you know, there's a couple of ex-AFL players that got picked up, but no one really knows them. And uh, I guess the other guys were just really young. It'll be interesting, you know, uh, with Hanson Jr. coming all the way from Subiaco, um, you know, moving that far away. Hopefully he wants to stay and hopefully he can get into the first team and be that small forward we need. But, um, yeah, interesting. They're clearly confident enough to draft someone from interstate as uh, that has come a cropper in the past with no one in particular because we don't talk about them around here. So... Anyway, welcome Robert Hansen Jr. Hopefully he gets a game in the next few weeks and, yeah, he can perform and show a little bit and excite all of the fan base because, you know, exciting players like this um, who have that zip, that flair, any sort of Lindsay, Eddie Betts, you know, all those, like uh, Charlie Cameron is another perfect one right now. Um, They're all probably the most fun players to watch in the league and, our club, uh, we love our players, we support them, and he could be a cult hero in a few years if he does want to perform and and does well. So, yeah, welcome, Robert, and keen to see you on the uh, on the park. Hopefully he picks a different number than 61. That's what he wears at Subiaco, and it just looks a bit gross, you know, so let's pick a lower number, but anyway, we'll see what he does. Um, I guess the other big news is the Alastair Clarkson and Hawthorne investigation developments. Um so as of yesterday, the AFL's independent investigation panel found uh, all the three guys. I don't remember. Joe Burns, is that the last guy's name? Is that the cricketer I'm thinking of? Someone? Who knows? Alistair Clarkson, Chris Fagan, and this other guy um, have been found innocent. I guess innocent is used loosely. They didn't come to any findings and there wasn't sufficient evidence to suggest a, a conviction of anything. Now, I watched the press conference and watched Gills, you know, watched him speak about it. It really does seem like the AFL has just washed their hands of this and thrown it away and said, no, we didn't find anything, so it's not in our hands anymore. If you guys want to do anything else, do it outside the AFL. That's exactly what it feels like to me. Gill didn't come out and say Clarkson's innocent and the guys are innocent. They've been treated wrong and the accusation shouldn't have been made um, or followed through in the manner that they were. Um, and even if it was the other way, you know, saying someone's guilty or you needs to come to a resolution and it really didn't. As a resolution for North Melbourne, hopefully it has come to a head and that's all we hear about this. Something in my gut tells me that's not going to be the case because this means that the AFL, the only ones that have found insufficient evidence to charge anyone with anything. Apparently a settlement was reached with the accusers um, and it wasn't monetary. So anything outside of that, I have no idea what that means. Um, 
But obviously, if they still wanted to press charges or anything like that, they can do so in court outside of the AFL. Do I think that'll happen? My head says no, um, because I don't know if these claims, they clearly don't have anything to back up the claims that have been made. Um, If Clarkson finally got to tell his story as of within the last week, um, clearly it's been been cleared up pretty quickly. Um, I don't know. I just don't see this going much further if the people who accused those men of this got some sort of settlement out of it. I'm assuming a settlement means parties agree. So, look, I'm not in the loop in this. I don't know everything to detail. This is just me reading the articles that are out there, my feeling on it all, and um, just from chatting to everybody at the barbershop all the time and, yeah, just my general sense and feel around this issue. Um, I think if those guys were guilty, they would have been convicted or found out months and months and months ago and the AFL would have treated it or handled it incredibly quickly. But I have a feeling that the evidence didn't stack up and they didn't know what to do uh, for to keep everyone on the AFL's side. And um, it is interesting timing that Alistair Clarkson says he's going to take some mental health leave and within two weeks there's a resolution of this. Um, I think those two are absolutely connected. Um, it wasn't just a coincidence. He takes leave and then it sort of comes to a head. But um, look, I'm glad the AFL has found him innocent. I'm glad he hopefully got to tell his story. Um, doesn't matter what side, if you're getting accused or the accuser, you should absolutely get a chance to a fair trial, your story being out there, and people shouldn't judge you if, as in you have done it until proven not guilty. It shouldn't be guilty until proven not guilty. But unfortunately in the world these days, uh, that is the case. So, look, I'm glad it's over. I'm glad these clouds aren't hanging over our club for now. But don't be surprised if this stuff carries on chipping away at us for a while. I don't know if it will affect the club as much. Um, It'll be interesting to see what Hawthorne get handed down with and how they're sort of dealt with because they caused a lot of these problems and um, absolutely deserve to be sanctioned in some way. A dodgy report, false accusation, all that sort of stuff. But look, at the end of the day, I only care what happens to North Melbourne and hopefully this means we've got a cleaner slate and we can move on. Um, I do worry about Clarkson's personal life though. If this does go outside of the AFL into courts, that does obviously affect our club again. Um with him being in the coach's box all the time. So, look, more will come out about it, but this is the best news we've got on this for the best part of a year. And uh, an awful job by the AFL, a complete botchery of it. Um, And I don't know. I think uh, the AFL completely washed their hands of it and they just said, no, we didn't find anything, so move on, which I think is poor. Yeah, Gil looks pretty dishevelled right now. His voice sounds like he's been eating gravel all day, so good luck to him. The other thing I might talk about quickly, and I didn't run this past the guys, but um, the North Melbourne Closer to a Flag guys did make a good post, which I shared today, about the media and their part that they've played in all of this. And I'll just touch on it, um, not maybe necessarily what they wrote, but my thoughts about it, because it did echo a lot of the thoughts I've had about the media for a while. And, you know, a lot of our thoughts and opinions on the media really got hammered home through COVID with how they presented things, scare tactics, just trying to make us, you know, click on things and scaring us with headlines and making big accusations when they're not really there. And we know that Clarkson 
and this is just in the media right now I'm talking about, in that bubble, Clarkson has absolutely been portrayed as guilty. Now, maybe not directly portrayed as guilty, but the general gist of conversation, the tone and the way that the journalists speak, write their headlines and talk about the situation is hinting at or subliminally suggesting that he's guilty. And there's two points to this. I understand that the media doesn't want to side with Clarkson to make it seem like the media isn't taking a racial issue seriously. And of course, you should always take those things seriously. Absolutely. But with the lack of evidence and the lack of Clarkson's story even being told, the way they portrayed this was he was guilty or he probably did it. Now, my point here is the media absolutely has to stand up and acknowledge the part, the negative part they play in the downfall of Clarkson's mentality and so many other people. You could say this for Damien Hardwick as well. They absolutely have an effect on things. They absolutely influence people. They absolutely affect people's mental health and their well-being. But they know they can make these accusations. People call them out online and that's it. And then there's no actual repercussion. The journalist from the ABC who, who broke this story about Clarkson and made it public should absolutely be charged, be, you know, not arrested and locked up because it's just a, you know, it's a newspaper article, but there absolutely should be fines or some sort of negative impact it has on him. You should not be able to accuse people of that publicly. The media need to understand that as well. It's like the Jason Horn Francis thing. Why is Horn Francis getting booed? Horn Francis is getting booed because Kane Corns is a wanker and he acts like a wanker and he's Kane Corns' guy. Horn Francis and Kane Corns are a package deal and Kane Corns is the problem with that. Kane Corns is the media. That's why he's getting booed. But Kane Corns won't admit to that, even though he knows it's true. And the media won't admit to that. I think it was, I don't know if it was Footy Classified or Channel One, something on Channel Nine, but um, the I think it was Kane Corns that said he categorically denies ever using uh, like clickbait as headlines to get people to draw into that. I think Matthew Lloyd also said the media don't do that, and that's just insane. Do the, do the guys working in the media not know what cycle they're in? Every headline is clickbait. As an example with the Taron Thomas stuff, a lot of the headlines I saw were serial, problem-making, troublemaking, blah, 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 blah. Just say Taron Thomas has come back to training. Not serial, troublemaker, antagonist, problem child, Taron Thomas allowed back into training after doing it. You know what I mean? They affect people's mental health and they absolutely need to stand up and take accountability for the damage they can cause, but they know they can get away with it. And I really wish that they understood the negative impact they have on people, society, the direct people involved, everything like that. I don't want to rant too long about this. That's all I'm going to say. I really do believe everything I just said. I really do believe that the media are one of, if not the biggest reason for people's mental downfalls in this scenario because they drive the public backlash. Clarkson going to a petrol station and not um, being served. The person at the petrol station found that out because they saw some media article that was written, you know, not falsely, but written to play him up as guilty and then they thought he was guilty without any factual evidence. So... 
There's a price to pay with the media, especially Kane Corns and Caroline Wilson. And I know our club has something against them, as we should, but, and they do that to themselves. But they know what they do. So don't play dumb and think that the general public don't know what your game is. It's not 40, 50 years ago. We know that the media is not true and it's made to grab our attention and lie to us and use clickbait. We're smarter than that now. Anyway, that's all I'm going to say on that. Some big topics already covered. So, look, glad the Clarkson thing is over um, or, you know, coming to more of a resolution. I don't want to say it's completely over. Um, I'm glad we drafted Robert Hansen Jr. Very exciting. I did post a story saying Lindsay Thomas 2.0 with a fire emoji. That actually got me excited while I was I was posting that. Um, so let's get into the game against the Bombers. Um, the old foe, hey? The old northern suburbs foe. It's interesting, isn't it? Because the last two weeks we've played pretty well. And no one else knows that because no one watches North Melbourne games. But... We know we've played very well. We absolutely should have beaten Sydney and we put up a real good fight against the Pies. So now we're coming up against a little bit of a weaker team in Essendon who haven't been in great form recently. I know they had their dream time win. Do I think we could do something in this game? I do. I do. Do I think we'll win? I don't think so, but I think we've got a chance. And if we did win, this one wouldn't shock me. And the reason I say that is because of the form that we've had in the last couple of weeks. The young guys like Wardlaw and Bailey Scott, Larky, Coleman Jones a couple of games ago stepped up. He needs a big return game this week. Bergman, solid. All she's all these young guys are doing it. We're not relying on Goldie and Zebes to just do everything for us anymore. Changes. Let's talk about changes. So last week there were some pretty average players on the team, which we did talk about on the podcast uh, a few days ago on Monday. Ben Mackay was one that came under fire, and rightly so, because he was atrociously bad. Um, but you can't drop Ben Mackay. We, I don't want Aiden Core back in the team. I hope he holds Aiden Core out of the team. Um, ben Mackay holds his place because he deserves a chance at redemption and a chance to play himself back into form. Is he mentally checked out? I don't know. It looks like it, but until he says something or we see him say no contract or sign a contract, we're never going to really know. And all we can do is assume. So Ben Mackay stays in. There's three players I want out. Phoenix Spicer needs to go back to the VFL. I love the idea of Phoenix Spicer, um, but it's not working. Two possessions. I mean, look, the week before he had six tackles, but just because you're holding on to someone doesn't mean you're tackling them. Charlie Lazaro needs to go out of the team. Um, a very good VFL player, Lazaro. Uh, I just don't think he's going to make it on this list. And look, oh, the last one's contentious. It's not. But Daniel Howe. Um, I'm not dropping Daniel Howe because he wasn't good. He was fine. Daniel Howe was fine. He played his role. He was decent in disposal. Um, and I don't think he hurt us much on the day. Um, but there's players that deserve to come in over him that actually have a future at the club. So in will come Liam Shields uh, over his concussion now uh, <laughs> and uh, needed the week off after <laughs> helping us lose that game against the Swans. Um, I think it's time for Taron Thomas. I think we need some excitement as North Melbourne fans. We've been through it the last few weeks. Um, you know, a couple of 
Oh, close loss, the Clarkson news, all this sort of stuff's going on. I really want Taron Thomas to come back into this team and show something. It's time to start rebuilding your rapport with the fans, re- rebuilding that relationship with the fans. Talking to a lot of fans now and the general commentary around Taron Thomas in the last few weeks has gone from how can he possibly be back to I actually kind of want to see him back. And I really believe this. Uh, I said it uh, for the last couple of weeks. If Jen Watt and Sonia Hood have ticked off Taron Thomas to come back, then I have full faith that he's done the things he needs to do to gain the trust of the club back and he deserves to fight for his place. We need a guy like that in this team, an A-grade talent, halfback, clean user. It's time to get him in this team and pushing our team forward because he could be a player that is with us for a long time. And I think he's a player now that the club has stuck by him so he should you know, sign a decent deal with the club and, you know, maybe not demand a million dollars a season. But hey, that's not for us to work out. But I would like to see Taron back this week. Daniel Howe goes out for Darcy Tucker. I think Tucker is a better player than Daniel Howe. Um, He's been very good in the VFL. And um, I don't know. I just don't think Howe's going to make it in this team in a year or two's time. But Darcy Tucker could be. So I think that's the only reason. Once again, I'm not dropping Howe because he was awful. Um... I'm not going to pretend like I'm not a little bit biased against Daniel Howe. I just don't like seeing him in the team. Um, Howe and Turner are the ones for everybody, aren't they? So, yeah, look, Tucker comes back in for me. I would love to see a Cooper Harvey. I would love to see a Jackson Archer. Um, But just from the sense around the club, it's probably not going to happen. The other one that's a possibility is LDU coming back into the team. Apparently he's had a big breakthrough with his hamstring and it's looking good. Uh, don't bother risking him. There's, there's no point. I'd nearly even keep him out till after the, the buy, to be honest. Um, he's been in and out all season. We don't need any more of that. Get your hamstring right, man. Come back. Let's do a big run to the end of the season and see if we can win two, three, four more games. Um, other than that, there's not really anyone else to, anyone else to talk about to bring in as far as I know. Um, Cunnington, how weird is it that Cunnington's gone out and I don't hear anyone calling for him to come back in? I love Ben Cunnington. We all love Ben Cunnington. But, geez, George Wardlaw's taken that and just run with it. Other than that, guys, yeah, that's what I would sort of keep the team at. You know what I mean? I think um, I'd probably put Paul Curtis starting and let's put, like, Darcy Tucker as the sub. Um, Yeah. Paul, I don't know why Paul Curtis wasn't in last week. That baffles me. Um, how Phoenix Spicer <laughs> or anyone get you know gets a game like like that gets a game over Paul Curtis is wild to me. I would love an explanation as to why Paul Curtis was a sub. So Paul Curtis back in, maybe Darcy Tucker as the substitute, and um, and those other couple of guys, Taron and um, geez, I forgot now, Taron. And, drumroll please, Shields. Yes, he plays for us now. Those guys back in the team. Let's have a look at the Bombers. Uh, the Bombers, I don't really know where they're at with injuries and things like that. I feel like every um, every team in the world has about 100 injuries right now. They pummeled West Coast last week. That usually means that they could have just cruised through. Um, they've got some dangerous players. Obviously, Redmond's been very good. Um, Wiedemann as their forward, uh, he loves to mark the ball. He hates to kick goals from what I can tell. 
But as we know, North Melbourne loves making an average key forward look like an absolute star like Josh Bruce. So Wiedemann could kick 10, but Ben Mackay needs a big redemption game. Uh, McDonald, Tipper, Woody literally looks like a barrel. Um, it's fun he's back. I like Tipper, but the guy's not in shape to play AFL. Um, he might go off uh, this game, who knows. But the guy I'd worry most about is Jake Stringer. He always decides to turn up against North. Other than that, I honestly don't know too many of their players. Um, I'm looking at it here. B Hobbs, don't know who that is. Jay Menzies, don't know who that is. Um, I know McGrath and there's Zach Merritt and Dyson Heffel and all these guys. They're a good team. On paper, they don't jump out as, wow, that team's so strong to me. Um, but they have performed quite well, especially at the start of the year. So I'm definitely not underestimating them. I think the Bombers will probably win it. Um, I assume they're heavy favourites. eighteen to $4.95. Um, but like I said, if we do upset them, it wouldn't shock me this week. We've been in good form. No one else knows we're in good form. Um, and we're coming back up against Brad Scott, which will be very interesting. Um, give us a win, Brad. If you really loved North, um, you'll let us have this one. Oh, what do I predict for this game? What do I predict for this game? Screw it. North by four points. When There's no way we're winning a game by <laughs> over a goal this year. You can already just tell. Um, North by four points. Larky kicks another bag. Um, Taron Thomas comes back in and gets 35 touches. Wardlaw, rising star nomination this week. And Coleman Jones taking clunks all over the park. That's what I'm predicting. A few more predictions for the round, just to do a round preview. Friday night, we've got uh, D's and the Blues. It's the depressing cup right now. Uh, Carlton are just woeful, and the D's are very underwhelming. I'll predict the D's win this one, but last week was one of the worst tipping weeks ever. I think nine people on the AFL tipping site got everyone right, so that's pretty wild. I'll go the D's, but who knows, really? Can both teams lose? I don't know. Uh, Port and Hawthorne. Come on, Hawthorne. Oh, no, I don't want the Hawks to go further ahead of us on the ladder. But I don't want Port to win. A draw for that one for me. Oh, God. Eagles, Collingwood. Jeez. Eagles are paying twelve fifty. It's in the It's in the West, though. Maybe put a cheeky tenner on them. No, Collingwood by 100 points there. Geelong, Bulldogs. I'm going to go Bulldogs. I'm going to go Bulldogs. Um, the Cats aren't convincing me. Cats are not convincing, and the Bulldogs have been in sneaky, decent form um, at the Marvel Stadium. The Cats don't know how to play under a roof, um, and maybe, you know, they'll get homesick being an hour away from Geelong, just like Ollie Henry. Um, Gold Coast and Adelaide, yuck, I don't care about this game at all. It's $1.92 each. It's completely even betting. That's wild. Um, yeah, I don't care. I don't care about any of those teams. Crows, but who cares? Um, GWS and the Tigers, 14th, 15th. Once again, I don't care. I don't really care who wins that. I kind of want them both to lose. Um, uh, Richmond by one point. Who? Yeah, whatever. Um, and there's a lot of buys. The Lions, the Dockers, the Saints, and the Swans have a buy this week. Um, so, and then yeah, obviously, see, there's less. Ga- there's two less games this week, and they've still put it 4:40 on a Sunday. I hate that. That's awful. 
<sighs> I blame Gil McLaughlin. Anyway, anyway, lastly, we're going to go to the um, the nostalgic player of the week, which is very exciting. So I posted up, <laughs> I posted up a photo of Eddie Sainsbury. Now, who remembers Eddie Sainsbury? My only memory of Eddie Sainsbury is when I used to live in Launceston. It was North Melbourne Hawthorne at uh, York Park it was back in the day. And I remember sitting in uh, one of the pockets of the ground and he was all the way over in the opposite pocket and I remember him getting a possession. That's about all I remember from Eddie Sainsbury, to be honest with you. It's a weird memory because I can think about it in my head right now and I remember how sunny it was and I remember seeing Eddie Sainsbury getting the ball over in the far pocket. I think he kicked a goal and missed. All right. I did ask for your guys' uh, best Eddie Sainsbury memories. And this is crazy. The most responded to player memories that I've asked for out of everybody, which is concerning. But, hey, we love Eddie Sainsbury around here. So on Instagram, uh, Sacred, Sacred Vines Sacred Vines says, he always killed it in my uh, playthroughs on AFL 2004 as a kid. Yes, yes, he was good in AFL. I2005, he was in that one. Um, Jacob McAuliffe underscore says, five kicks, four goals in 2007. Was he around in 2007? Wow. Clearly uh, was on the list for a few years. Uh, Hunter underscore Dwyer 33 says, six goals against the Bulldogs in 07. Did he play in 07? Man, I should look up some Eddie Sainsbury highlights. Now I'm getting excited about Eddie Sainsbury. I can't be the only one, surely. So we're just going to switch over to Facebook and we've got a few more Eddie Sainsbury uh, memories to talk about. 11 comments on the Facebook, guys, for Eddie Sainsbury. This is wild. All right, let's read out all these. Paul Albergo, Albergo, one of those, says, High hopes unrealized. Come on, Paul. Come on, Paul. 2007, it sounds like he was great. Uh, Jeffrey Jethro Joffa Ellis says, Forgot he even existed, but I could name every player on the 1970s list. Well, mate, I won't lie to you. Uh, I was not anywhere close to being born then, so I'm not going to know too many of them. Um, but, hey, maybe I'll throw in a random 70s player and see if anyone remembers that. Um, I won't know anything about him, though. Um, Jeff Robinson has just posted the potato emoji four times. Now, Jeff, we respect Eddie Sainsbury around here. Thank you. Sean Patrick Scully, zero, zero memories for Eddie Sainsbury. Come on, mate. Come on. Uh, Natasha Burns, you might as well ask us for Jason Daniel Tchenko next. Who is that? <laughs> she also says, you're really testing us here, Josh. Natasha, that, that player you named cannot be a North Melbourne player. If that is a North Melbourne player, that is the most obscure North Melbourne player anyone will ever say in their lifetime, and you're a true Nuffy fan of North Melbourne. <laughs> Jason Daniel Tetchenko. Jeez, I'm awful. Chris Hamilton says, Gotta love AFL players called Eddie. Not sure if there has ever been a bad one. I give you Eddie Betts, Eddie Ford, Eddie Sainsbury. I recall he was a good, honest player. Not sure if <laughs> is an urban myth. But I seem to recall he was related to Daniel Wells, which made me think he might be the next big thing. You know what? The photo I posted, he does look a lot like Daniel Wells. You might not be wrong. I mean, it's the hair. 
Look at the photo I posted, guys, and tell me that isn't Daniel Wells-esque. Phil Santoro says, when he squared the ball to a Ford in round nine, 2005, and nearly hit the target. Come on, Phil. Come on, mate. Uh, Mordecai Rigby, speed of a Porsche and control of a billy cart, a.k.a. a danger to the football. <laughs> oh, no, this is a long name. Zach uh, Stasinowski. Stasinowski. Zach Stasinowski. Eddie Sainsbury, Matt Campbell, and Lindsay Thomas were a dynamic trio. I won't forget. Did they play at the same time? I remember Matt Campbell and Lindsay Thomas, but I thought Sainsbury was a little bit earlier than that. What a dynamic forward line. And last but not least, uh, Nicholas Ed Pasco says his best game against uh, West Coast at Colonial Stadium. Unfortunately, I didn't get to see it, but there was so much talk from North supporters about his performance in that match. Geez, we're really diving deep into North Melbourne folklore here. But look, shout out to Eddie Sainsbury. Um, man, I would love if Eddie Sainsbury could come on this podcast. If anyone has any connections to Eddie Sainsbury, let me know. Message. Let's get him on this podcast, guys. But other than that, um, that's about it. A lot more to talk about on the preview podcast this week. So a little bit longer than usual. Thank you for listening through and sticking, uh, sticking with it. Um, don't forget... The podcast will be out on Monday morning after the Essendon game. Um, Further North Podcast on Facebook, at Further North Pod on Instagram. Thank you so much for following and listening to the show, guys. I really do appreciate it. Five-star reviews on Apple or Spotify will be read out. Leave a comment on Spotify and the five-star reviews on Apple will all be read out on the podcast. Um, Please do that because it helps me get up in the ratings something that we all say. It's like saying, hey, hit that bell for notifications. It's like genuinely is a thing. I know it sounds lame to all you non-podcasters, but help me please. Other than that, let's go and beat the Dons, guys. Let's go and bash up Brad Scott. Let's channel Eddie Sainsbury energy. And uh, good luck to our new uh, our new pick in the draft, in the mid-season draft. And I hope Clarko's doing well when he comes back very soon. So thank you for tuning in again, guys. And I'll talk to you Monday. See ya. See ya.